Welcome to Fairfax, a podcast about what it was like to grow up in the Los Angeles of the early 1960s. It's a sort of audio memoir written and recorded by me. I'm Jeff Bushman. Today, I'm a process server, a professional writer, a podcaster, and a few other things. But in the early 1960s in LA, I was what a lot of people were. I was a kid. If you've lived in L.A. and you talk about Fairfax, the image that generally comes to mind, unless you also lived in Virginia, is a neighborhood that centers around an area from roughly Fairfax and Melrose, south to Fairfax and Beverly, or maybe a little further south to 3rd Street. For as long as I've been aware, which is about 1960, and probably for longer, it's been a Jewish neighborhood. What's weird about that is... L.A. isn't like a lot of cities in the Midwest and East. In areas of New York, Boston, Philadelphia, and Chicago, there have traditionally been ethnic enclaves. But in L.A., not so much. But in the area south of Fairfax and Melrose, yeah. There have always been a few others in L.A. as well, but not as much as those other towns. East L.A. has been Latino for years. South Central was African-American for decades, but I understand it's largely Hispanic now. There's also Koreatown and an area referred to as Little Manila because of its Filipino population. In fact, if I recall correctly, Little Manila has more people of Filipino origin than any city in the world except for Manila. But in 1960, my family began to live on Fairfax, but not in that Fairfax area. We lived north of Santa Monica Boulevard and south of Fountain Avenue. For most of 1960, I was nine years old, but I can tell you even now how we came to live on Fairfax. When we left Chicago in July of that year, my parents told their friends, and we were instructed to tell ours, that it was for a vacation in L.A. When we left, we never saw any of these people again because the real reason we left was to see if we could move from the Midwest to Southern California, and it was dependent on whether my dad could find a job in L.A. If we could, or rather if he could, we'd move, and if he couldn't, we'd return to Chicago from our so-called vacation. He found the job. While he was looking, we started out staying with my aunt and uncle, dad's father, Beryl, and his wife, Rose. After our, after our dad got the job, we went looking for an apartment. I went with him to look while my brother and mom were back in Chicago, deciding what to move, what to sell, and what to junk. I'm pretty sure that's when I lost my collection of Superman comics. I learned a couple of lessons at the time that my father didn't know he was teaching me, and we finally moved into the green apartment building at 1224 North Fairfax. The woman who managed and or owned the building was Mrs. Krasner. She spoke with a foreign accent that I took to be Russian or Polish, but as this is written, I'm really not sure I was right. Also living with her was her grandson, who was younger than I was by what seemed like a large amount. When I was nine, he was probably about three. Also living there was Mrs. Krasner's daughter, a single mom. And I confess, I had a crush on Ruth. 
her mom, Mrs. Krasner, seemed harsh to a lot of people, but she was always nice to me. And I think part of the reason for my crush on Ruth is that although she was an adult, she was as short as I was. Now, I'm short now, but at age nine, I was even shorter. And, you know, she also had breasts. More about Aunt Rose. For much of my life, I've had trouble with my weight. I was, like many, always dieting. Whenever she offered me food, which was often, and I declined saying I was trying to lose weight, she would say, but you're so skinny. Like all of us, she had her faults, but she was okay with me. At that time, fortunately, there was a surplus of availability uh, of apartments in L.A., but since our parents didn't have a surplus of money, we had to shop for someplace they thought was affordable and was still decent. Keep in mind that we're talking about $1960. I'm pretty sure that dad's annual salary on his new job was $5,000. That's annually. As this is written, the average income in the United States is around $50,000 a year. Now, I don't know what the average was 60 years ago, but $5,000 wasn't considered poverty wages as it obviously would be now. Rent was less too, of course. Dad had come to the point that he was considering two different apartments. The one we didn't move into was, if I recall, $165 a month. And the one we moved into was $110 a month. The reason that decision wasn't a slam dunk was because the less expensive one came with a one-month concession. That meant you got a free month's rent. The one that was more expensive had a two-month concession. As I said, there was an apartment surplus at that time. I don't remember why, but the more expensive of the two apartments was a lot nicer than the less expensive one. So that, of course, is the one I wanted to move into. The lesson was that with a two-month concession, which would equal $330 worth of free rent, that would be used up in six months of living in the cheaper place. And after that, we'd continue saving money on Fairfax. So that's where we moved. From the standpoint of money, of course, he was right, not just in terms of immediate math. We ended up living there from 1960 until 1965, so we came out way ahead. We'll be right back with more of Fairfax, but first a brief word. The author, author of this podcast has also written books that you can find and obtain at Amazon.com. The latest is about life as a process server, including interesting and, I hope, funny stories, and it's called You've Been Served. It's available as a paperback or audiobook, and again, that's at Amazon.com. And now back to Fairfax. One of the cool, which as you'll see shortly is a poor choice of words, things about the apartment on Fairfax was the heater in the bathroom. First, it was neat that the bathroom had a heater. I now live in a much nicer place than that apartment, and I've lived in a bunch of different places over the years. I don't think any of the others had a heater in the bathroom. If it's winter, even in L.A., where it doesn't get really cold, and either you're using the bathroom for its obvious purpose or you're just out of a shower or bath, that heat is extremely welcome. I remember the brand name of the heater, which was installed in the wall. It was called Thermidor, and it had coils that heated up when you turned it on, and it was radiating coils that made the bathroom comfortably warm. On the other hand, if you tripped and hit the heater, you'd get a noticeable burn. I expect the reason we don't see Thermidor anymore is because of that danger and the prevalence of central heating. Both Fairfax and Santa Monica were main streets and still are. 
it was easy for Stu to get to his school, which was Bancroft Junior High School by bus, and my school was within walking distance. One of the really neat things is all the great stuff that was in the immediate vicinity. They're gone now, but right on the two eastern corners were two competing drugstores, Crescent Drugs and Santa Fe Drugstore. I'm not positive I remember which was which. Again, they're both long gone, but the one that was on the nearer corner, which I think was Crescent Drugs, had a soda fountain. Even then, soda fountains were considered a quaint throwback, but in those days before artificially sweetened soft drinks and the use of high fructose corn syrup, our soda was full of sugar. Also at the soda fountain, the two older people who owned the soda fountain, and of course our perceptions have changed, they were probably 40, would put a squirt of cherry or lemon or chocolate into your Coke for a really special treat. This was the kind of counter that was also referred to as a lunch counter. We couldn't know in 1960 that in a few years in the southern part of the country, there would be sit-ins and lawsuits to open up lunch counters to African Americans. In those days, not too many white kids outside of the South thought much about civil rights. Those days were coming, but we didn't know it. I could and often did order a chocolate phosphate at the counter as well. I expect most people hearing this won't know what that drink is, but the couple who ran the soda fountain did. Here's the recipe. You put in a squirt or two of chocolate syrup and add club soda or seltzer, stirring the drink as you pour in that carbonated water. When you finish, you have a carbonated chocolate drink that was cool and refreshing, and it also had big chocolate bubbles at the top. The similar drink that I didn't enjoy as much was a chocolate egg cream. It was so-called because though it had chocolate, it had no egg and no cream. I should mention that in this period of time, there was a lot of in-migration, if you will, to LA from other parts of the country, and to some extent from other countries. As a result, I had a couple of friends from New York. One of them introduced me to the chocolate egg cream, which was popular there. This was the same recipe as the chocolate phosphate, but in addition to the chocolate syrup, you would pour a little bit of milk into the bottom of the glass. You would then add the club soda or seltzer. That soda fountain became one of our prepubescent gathering places. I would go there after school with Steve and Mike, and sometimes we'd be joined by Bruce and Abe. There were actually two Abes that I knew in those years, and at different times, one or the other would join the group. One Abe had been born in Israel. The other one was born in L.A., but his parents were survivors of the Holocaust. His dad had passed away by the time I knew Abe, but his mom was a sweet lady who spoke with a European accent. She was the first person I ever saw with the blue inked number on her arm. This has been Fairfax, a story about early 1960s L.A. and growing up there. Depending on where you're hearing this, you can listen to all of the available episodes and subscribe to be notified of additional episodes as they're uploaded. You can do that at tjbsradio.com or wherever fine podcasts and not so fine podcasts are available. Thanks for listening.